Well, good morning to all of you. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Allison. I'm married to Pastor Andrew here, and it's good to be with you all. As we gather for this message this morning, let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we can gather today and worship you, that you invite us to come and receive your love and your grace and your mercy, and I pray that we would experience that today as we look at these true words from scripture of how much you love us and that you call us your beloved and your children, and you invite us to rest in the joy of your presence and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this last week, I was putting together um, some Christmas games um, for maybe when families or friends gather, and one of those games I was working on, on was called Family Feud. And I don't know if you watched Family Feud. I actually don't, but decided I would um, get, get a game together, so I kind of had to learn what this game show was all about. And if I have it down right, it's basically where there's a question that is surveyed throughout a crowd, and then they take the answers that are the most common, and they make those the answer to that question. And then on this show, the host invites contestants forward who then are posed that question, and they have to name what the most common answers are. So um, for this, this Christmas one, um, I found some questions that I was going to use. The first was, um, what does Santa eat when he's done with the big night? Um, he's been up all night eating cookies. You would think, you know, maybe he'd be tired of cookies. Um, that actually was not the last one. But the most popular answer was a steak dinner. I guess Santa wants to get some protein in instead of all those cookies. Um, the last answer I thought would be more cookies, but actually it was pizza, so I don't know why. But um, pizza, I guess, is Santa's last choice. Um, cheeseburgers came in second place. Um, another question um, was, name something a mom of young kids is wishing for. Okay, so you kids listen, because this applies to me now. Okay, um, let's see. The number one answer was a nap. I would love that. <laughs> so um, my tip to you mothers out there is to not put the batteries in the toys that the kids are opening that morning so that then you can take a nap. <laughs> And the last answer was a clean house, which um, is probably one of my number one things. But the other answers were a spa day, a babysitter, or having just peace and quiet, which I would enjoy all of those. I'm curious, though, that if we surveyed a crowd of people and asked the question, name how many or how people are really feeling about life right now, what sort of questions or what sort of answers we may get to that question? I imagine, um, for me, the first answer would be busy. Um, I know that's how I felt the last few weeks with, um, between all of our end-of-year activities, um, travel, or visits to the ER, or the doctor, um, a dog who decided to eat a bowl full of chocolate this weekend, so then we went to the vet for emergency there. Um, Christmas shopping, there's just so much going on, and maybe you can say yes to that as well. Or maybe another question, answer to the, a question like that would be angry. Um, if you're on Facebook lately or Story City People lately, it is full of anger and frustration and hate. Um, 
That anger could also be towards our government. It could be towards specific people or situations going on in our life. Another word could be afraid. Afraid for our kids, afraid for our grandkids, afraid for what they may experience every day or what they may see on TV. So right now today, if you were asked that question, what would the answer be? How are you really feeling? How are you coming and entering into worship today? And I think it's hard for us when we are going through busy seasons where we're feeling anger or frustration or fear that we forget to stop and pause in the awe and wonder of who God really is and how much he loves us. I loved in the start of that video, um, or one of the phrases in the video is, we almost missed you when we came to worship you. Like We can come into worship and sit here and really miss what God has for us because we're distracted by all of the burdens that we are carrying with us. And so today, I simply want to pause with all of you and just remember the truths of how much God loves us that we just read in our scripture readings today. But really, when was the last time that you were in complete awe and wonder of the love of God, even in the midst of pain and suffering, frustration, or anger with the world? How are you really feeling? We'll get there. Um, for me, the last time, there's been a few times throughout this year that I've been reflecting about when I've been in awe or wonder of the love of God. And for me, I think it's things like when we went to the ocean this summer and you get to experience the beauty of God's creation standing on the beach of the ocean or playing with the, you know, the crabs and, and all of the little creatures that you find on the beach. Um, I remember this year spending time with my family after my grandpa died and feeling that that was a very healing moment being together as a family. Or recently we had a worship night at our epic, um, epic youth gathering and I saw kids surrendering their hearts to the Lord, lifting their hands in worship. And I just thought, wow, our God loves us so much. So today we read some really wonderful passages from um, John, and these passages of scripture speak a lot about love and the love that God has for us. And if you ever want to read about how much God loves you, I encourage you to pick up the Gospel of John or his letters in First and Second and Third John. Um, these John was known as the disciple that Jesus really loved, and so he knew what it was like to experience love of God right then and right there. And so that word love is used more than 50 times in just the Gospel of John. So it's a good book to read, to remember. And so today I want to give you four truths about how much God loves you from our scripture passages today. And the first one is that God is love, and his love gives us life. And this I want to reread from one of our passages today. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. 
When we think of God and who he is and what he has done for us, I'm sure one of the first words we would come up with is love. We probably think of John 3.16, how God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son for us. One of the first songs we usually teach kids when they're little is Jesus loves me. And throughout the Bible, this word love means so much more than what we experience love here on earth. Um, the word love is, that is used, it's important to know what the Greek translation is because there are different meanings of the word love. Um, there's romantic love, there's brotherly or friendly love, there's an affection for things or um, things we enjoy like Christmas trees or Christmas lights or presents. Um, but the love that it is described here in reference to God is called agape love. And this is a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. It's one where it's demonstrated through Jesus' death on the cross when he willingly died on the cross for us. And when we look at the world around us today, do we experience pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires the highest good for another person? Not not quite to that standard, right? And that means that we can't truly experience this kind of healing, whole, pure, true love without God. And we can't seek that out in things or other people. In order to experience that true agape love, we have to come face to face with Jesus, our God and our creator, who is there at the beginning of time, who loves us and calls us by name. It's the kind of love that saves and restores all of humanity in the face of sin and death. This is the God who says, I love you so much that I gave my son for you. I forgave you. I set you free. I give you eternal life. I give you hope and I give you a future. This is what God offers you, a love that is transforming and brings life, a life that is flourishing and full of goodness, a light that shines in the midst of darkness. Another truth is that God loved us first. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. It's very clear in John's testimony that God loved us first. And that means that God initiates his love for us, and then we respond to the love that he offers. It's like the story of the prodigal son. If you if you've heard that story of the prodigal son where the son runs away from the father and lives this terrible life not in the presence of his father and things just fall into darkness and he's in complete and utter hopelessness and despair, but then his father is watching for him. And when the father sees the son slowly returning home because he has nothing left, the father runs to him and kisses him and embraces him says, I love you. I've been waiting for you. Come and return home with me. That's the love that our God has for us, is that he does not want us to be far off and distant for, from him, but he will run after us and pursue us in his love. 
And you know what that means for us is that the pressure is off. We don't have to work harder or try harder to receive God's love. We already have his love with us. We just need to say, yes, God, I want to experience your love. Help me to experience your love. The third truth that I want to leave you with today is you are his beloved. So that word beloved is from 1 John 4. Um, Sometimes it will say friends, like it said in our reading today, but another word could be beloved in its place. And so it says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's a typo there. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. So, beloved, that means you are his favorite one. You are his esteemed, dear, and worthy of love child. This is what God thinks of you. That you are his favorite. That you are worthy of his love. Have you ever felt undeserving of love? Or have you ever done something wrong and instead of someone shaming you or condemning you, they said, I love you? This is what our God does for us. Imagine what would happen if we truly understood God's love for us. Now, God's love is bigger than we could ever know, but if we really paused and thought, wow, our God loves us so much that he did this for me, and he thinks about this when he thinks of me, how would that change you? How would that change our world today? How would we better love other people the way God intends us to love one another if we saw ourselves as his beloved children and others as his beloved children? The last one I want to leave you with is number four, which says, when you believe, you receive. And it says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I love that last couple lines, that God lives in them and they in God. And so, knowing God's love, we rely on God's love for us. And the love that he gives us is in his Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in you right here, right now, and that is always with you. When we believe, we receive. When we surrender to God, he fills us. When we are walking through life, every season, every roller coaster, we can pause and remember these truths, that I am God's beloved and that I can rely on his love. Mark Driscoll Uh, a really good pastor that I like to listen to some of his sermons, he says, before God tells you what to do, he tells you what he thinks of you. And so God isn't going to say, go out and love other people, but then not love you first. God isn't going to tell you to go and be a follower of him without pursuing you first. And so God comes to you and says, you are my beloved Now rely and abide in my love so that you can go out and show love to others in every circumstance. So the question then, when was the last time 
that you were in awe of God's wonder, or in awe and wonder of God's love for you, even in the midst of pain and suffering, fear or anger or brokenness that you may be experiencing today. I put a question out on Facebook to kind of do my own little survey, I guess you could say, of um, how are you really feeling about life, and when was the last time you were in awe and wonder of God's love in a situation like this? And some of the most common answers were that even in the midst of tragedy, I gave thanks to God, and I could feel his presence with me. Or after losing a loved one, feeling the peace and the healing while being surrounded by family. Or when they got a diagnosis, and instead of feeling fear, they felt peace and knew that God wouldn't abandon them. So today I want to invite you to receive God's love to know God's love, to remember that you are his beloved, his cared-for child of God. Let us pray. Lord God, today we come to you and we say how much we need you. And thank you that you are with us, that you promise to always love us. And Lord, I pray that whatever these barriers or burdens are that are keeping us from truly experiencing your love or knowing your love, that they would be torn down, Lord, and that you would come running after us to pursue us, and would we be overwhelmed with joy at your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.